Now we're starting. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Uh, so we're going to get back into where we were uh, last week and go down the path of his words shall remain forever. And that's the part we're going to focus on. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away, shall endure forever. And this thought captivated me in this whole Matthew 24. Uh, and to me, this scripture, this verse just illuminated my heart. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So his words are eternal. And any way we take that, if we take it literally, if, if people say, well, the literal heaven and earth is going to pass away, his words are not going to pass away. I myself see it as the new covenant, as he is the word of the new covenant. And that and this covenant is eternal. It's established eternally in God. It's the everlasting gospel, the everlasting good news. And everything that was up to him was a type and shadow. I believe even man was a type and shadow. I've, I've made that comment a number of times. I believe God was waiting in time, if we want to say time. I know God's outside of time, but in, the, in creation, he was waiting for this man to appear, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to come into the earth. I believe he's the fulfillment of all things that all things are uh, about him, all things were to him. And as he said before, all things, he existed before all things existed. And by him were all things made that were made. I believe this. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And for light to come, to understanding to come into the hearts of man, Jesus had to come. Otherwise, there would have been no light. There would have been no understanding. We wouldn't have known God truly. Just wouldn't have happened. So up to the cross, up to the person. And the person, as much as we say the two sticks of wood are the cross, the person is the cross. Because you could have hung a, a million people on a tree. And they could not have done what he did. Only he could bring forth the work of the cross no one else could bring forth the work of the cross so so with this all in mind i want us to go back for a couple places uh, we were in uh other night and then we're or last week and then we're going to move forward in the book of uh exodus in verse chapter well i gotta get to the chapter <laughs> uh Chapter 34, and then we'll go backwards to chapter 25, which I believe we did this other night, but we're going to start here. 
In chapter 34, 27 and 28, it says, And Jehovah said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. And he was there with Jehovah 40 days and 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So here, in these words, was God's covenant with Israel. And then when we come down to Exodus 25, 16 through 22, or start at verse, uh, verse 16 and come on down, it says in Exodus 25, thou shalt put into the ark of the testimony, which I shall give thee, and thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beaten work, shall thou make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other end of one piece with the mercy seat, shall you make the cherubim on the two ends thereof. And the cherubim shall spread out their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, with their faces one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee and will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the covenant, of all things which I give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. So God's Communing with Israel was according to his word. That was it. That's how he met with them. That's how he communed with them. Was according to the word of the covenant. And when we look at this, we consider the mercy seat. The blood is applied to the seat of government. And I, and I said this last week, why? Because no one could keep or do these words. It was speaking these words, the words of the law were speaking of the life of another. That's why no one could do them. <laughs> you, know, you know, people try to do the law. Christians have tried to do the law. Christians have tried to live in the law. And they become very, very frustrated. Very, you know, people with the very right intention, good intentions, become very frustrated. Because the law showed them they had no ability to live this life. That's what the law showed them. And, I, and, I, and Dell and I were talking about this this morning. I believe this goes all the way back to Adam in the garden. I know some people have a different view, but I'll give you what I think. Adam couldn't live the life of God. If he could have, he would have been Christ. Now, that's what I believe. 
some people believe Adam had a identity failure or a memory lapse or whatever, didn't believe what God said. But I, I believe Adam was insufficient in himself. And I believe God made man insufficient in themselves. I believe that was in God, that man would not find his sufficiency in himself. I believe that was the design. Now, that's me. In order that man would not find sufficiency in himself, but he would find sufficiency in Christ. That's what I believe. So then the law come and it showed him again, you don't have sufficiency in yourself. And so over and over and over, the blood is applied. The blood is applied and covering the sins. Applied to the mercy seat. Applied to the mercy seat because no man could keep that law. And it was the blood of another being applied. It was the blood of the spotless lamb was what that was speaking of. The one who come, who was the express image of God, he and he alone could fulfill the law of God. That was it. So that one was who the law spoke of. It was speaking of the life of another. That's why, that's why man's been frustrated with the law, because it's speaking of the life of another. Until we begin to know the life of another, who is Christ. We don't even, I don't even think we understand what the law is speaking about. And so it shows us our inability. It shows us our insufficiency. But even God placing the blood upon the other, uh, upon the altar, is, is telling us that there is a sacrifice for our inabilities. And the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what Brother Jim Wickens like to say, not I, but Christ, who lives in me, is now sufficiency has come of God himself. That's why the old had to pass away, because the old was always going to show you you and your inability. That's what the old was designed to do. But now the new has come to show you him and his ability. Okay? So we move from the old, our inability, to the new, to his ability. That's why he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. See, now follow with me to John 4. John chapter 4. And Jesus coming to the woman of Samaria. And this is a very familiar scripture to us all. And in verse 20, the woman speaking to Jesus said, Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you say, I love that, you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Well, he was the salvation that was of the Jews standing in front of him. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father 
in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Neither in Jerusalem nor in Samaria, but by God's spirit. Now, that's what Jesus proclaimed. Now the time has come. What time had come? The time that God had looked for in the earth. The time of Christ had come upon the earth. And in this time, Worshippers are going to worship God in spirit and truth. So that's why the old had to be done away with. That's why people have to come out of the old and come to the new, because they have to come to spirit and truth. Now, Jesus tells us what spirit is, spirit and truth is. He says God is a spirit. And then he goes on in John 6, and he says, the words that I speak to you, they are what? Spirit and life. So the words he said were, are, not were, are spirit and life. So, so if we can hear this and get a hold of this, God took a word that testified of Christ. I believe, I believe the law was a lamp shining unto the perfect day. So it was a lamp guiding us to the perfect day. Well, the perfect day is a person, is the Lord Jesus. So the law was shining unto, just like Paul says, the law was their schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So it was shining and it was speaking of a lie that was greater than us, but one we were going to know. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. It was shining to the one we were going unto the one come that it was speaking of. Now the law had served its purpose because the one coming began to declare upon the earth the words, if we can hear it, of the covenant. Okay. Now, how did these words go into force? He died. The blood was applied. Jesus became the sacrifice that fulfilled all sacrifices. The blood of the covenant was applied to the throne. I believe to God's own heart. And now, what, what, why are they in force? Because he raised from the dead. So now his words are the words that are in force. See, see, when we ever get outside of his words, this is where we get in trouble. Because his words went into force. And what one of the most simple things to see in this passage of scripture we're reading in John 4, just simple. 
They'll neither worship in Jerusalem or, or, or Samaria, okay? Jerusalem was the place the Israelites had went all these years to find salvation. They had come there to be right with God, to have the blessings of God. That's where they come. But Jesus said in his words, listen to what he said. He that believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He that believeth in me. And, and, and I've said this in our studies that everlasting life is more than just me and you living forever. That's part of it. But the everlasting life is the life of him, the perpetual life of God. He that believeth on me will have his life in them, conforming us to his own image, because only his life can bring us there. So, so Jesus begins to declare in the earth, especially in the book of John, what I believe the new covenant is. He goes on, he says, he that believeth in me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Not only will you have this perpetual life, this eternal life, this life of God in you, but now this life is going to flow out from you. Now, this is the covenant he's made. And so all covenant, everything that was before spoke of this. Spoke of the glory of God filling the earth. But here in Christ Jesus, the glory of God is filling earthen vessels. It is actually fulfilling the scripture and filling the earth. And out of us is flowing God's glory. Out of, out of us is flowing God's manifest presence. We're looking for it to happen, but I'm here to tell you, it's already happening. We already are experiencing God, and God is already changing us. He's been changing us since he got inside of us. So, so we, we see things in our daily walk that have changed. I do. I see things in me that have changed dramatically. That I, that I realized there's no way that's me that did that, that accomplished that. That's the life of God living in me that overcome hurdles, obstacles, you name it. Because he lives in you. He's filling you with his divine presence. And that's what Jesus said was going to happen. He that believeth is going to receive eternal life, which is the life of God. And he that believeth out of him is going to flow out of his innermost being. And our innermost being is Christ. Christ is in our heart. He's in our innermost being. Out of him is going to flow from us living water. Because it can flow from us. We didn't even have the ability to give living water until he came in us and he began to fill us with himself. 
Baptize us in the Spirit that we be filled with God. So we receive Him. He fills us. And He reveals Himself in us to bring His life out of us. Now to me, honey, this is the covenant that never ends. This is what He meant that His words will abide forever. Because they're no longer going to come to a old system and come to God that way. They're only going to come through the high priest who is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he's going to build up a temple of living stones that live in his very life. That's why he has to be revealed, because we live in his very life. We don't live in our own life. So now we're living in the life the law spoke of that pleased God. <laughs> see, before we couldn't live in the life, but see, this is a greater blood because this greater blood took us out of that life that couldn't please God. It took us out of that man that couldn't please God, and this blood cleansed us from that man but, but, but this life that come in us brought us into the life that God is. It pleases God. So when we preach Christ, we're preaching a people that are complete in him. He's the completion of you. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. He's mine and your completion. So now we're living in a life that pleases God. See, when we begin to believe that, it's going to change us. When we begin to, to see that, it's going to make us different. See, the law kept telling us how bad we were, where Christ is saying, you're now the righteousness of God in me. That's what he's saying. You know, Paul wrote it this way, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, that's what I'm saying. Christ is saying, you're now the righteousness of God in me. And how does he say you attain this? He says, you eat it. You, you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And see, in the natural, if I keep eating something, if I eat healthy, right? If I eat good food, diet right, I'm healthy. So if I eat the lamb, in the spirit and digest this, then it's going to become what I am. And it's not going to be by my efforts. It's going to be by his. See, that's the salvation we have. Everything we have here is what he's done. And that's what this covenant is is everything here is what he's done and what he is. See, he is what he's done, if we can hear. So he took everything he did at the cross in the body of his flesh, and when he ascended, he took that back into God. So everything that he did, he is. So Jesus is still dead to sin but alive unto God. See, sin 
Even when he walked the earth, the devil couldn't find a place in him. He had a nature unlike any other nature the devil had ever ran up on. A different man. Heavenly man. The image of God. The express image of God. Upon the earth. Well, now that's what's living in us. So the work he did in his cross is living in me and you. To change us to that work, to that life. Now, the picture of this is in Isaiah. God tells us this in Isaiah. Go back to Isaiah chapter. Oh, let's see here. I got to find it in my notes. And uh, Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verse 20 says, and a redeemer will come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgressions in Jacob, saith Jehovah. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, those that turn from transgressions. Say, this is his covenant with them, saith Jehovah, my spirit that is upon thee, upon the redeemer, and my words which I have put in thy mouth. So God's covenant is his spirit and his word that he put in the Redeemer's mouth. And then he goes on and says, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith Jehovah from henceforth and forever. So God sealed Jesus. In fact, when Jesus was baptized of the Spirit, it says that he had the Spirit of God without measure. In John 3, 30, 34, it says, For he whom God sent speaketh the words of God. See, this is, this is what Isaiah said, that he was going to speak God's words, my words is in his mouth. And then it goes on in John 3.34 says, for he have given not the spirit by measure. So his spirit and his word that he put up on the redeemer is the covenant. According to Isaiah. We all know Jesus is the redeemer. And this is what we're preaching is, are the words of Christ. That's really what Paul was preaching. Paul, when Paul began to write his epistle, if we really consider it close, John 17, Jesus said, that we would be made one, I and them, thou and me, that we be made perfect and one. And when you go through Paul's epistles, what does he tell us? The church is his body. You're one body. You've been made one. He tells us what Jesus said. He begins to expound on what Jesus said. I and them. What does Paul tell you? Christ in you. 
That ain't something different than what Jesus said. What, what Paul is doing is expounding the words of Christ, because that's what Jesus said his seed was going to do. That these words were not going to part out of the mouth of the Redeemer or out of the mouth of the Redeemer's seed, which were those disciples, those, those you could say those 120 and all those in that day that was hearing him, or the mouth of his seed's seed, which would include you and I. So we're still declaring what they declared because this is the eternal covenant of God that God sent in the person of Christ and in the person of Christ in this covenant, the greatness of this covenant is you're made one with him. You're not outside of him. Like Israel could come up and look and say, there's the glory of God, but they couldn't enter into it. Now Christ has brought us right into the midst of God's glory. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That in Christ, you know, we read this, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, right? We read that. Well, as he's made known, you know, we, we hear this in John 14 to a measure. He says, no man cometh unto the Father is by me. I want us to hear it to a greater measure. Now, in the, in the basic measure, we can't come to God but by him. He's it. The old system no longer will bring you to God, neither will any other religion. He's it. But now I want, to, I want us to hear it in a little bit greater measure. Kind of like we talked about Jacob's ladder the last time. Now, as Jesus is revealed, we see a measure of God. See, in him dwells the fullness of God. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So now the measuring of God is coming as he's made known. It's the way it's designed. As Christ is made known, you know God. You don't know God any other way. He has to be made known because in him dwells the fullness of God. So what God is, is made alive to me and you in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why the revelation of Jesus Christ is so important to the church. And the revelation of Jesus Christ isn't a one-time event. It is an eternal knowing of God. See, Jesus told us in John 17, this is life eternal, that you might know the only true God. So eternal life isn't memorizing Scripture, as good as that is. Eternal life isn't even reading the Scripture, as good as that is. Jesus said this is eternal life, that you know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And how do I know Jesus Christ whom he hath sent, but by the Spirit of the Lord? Because the Spirit shows us all things, yea, the deep things of God. And see, the deep things of God is, is a person. 
Seeing all things, the deep things of God is seeing all things of Christ. See, that's what Paul said. We walk out the length, the depth, the breadth, and the height of Christ. So the depth of Christ is the deep things of God. All of these things of Christ have to be made known in us. And we're now a people that are knowing them. See, this is so much greater than what the old proclaimed. You know, God gave them a piece of land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, all this is a beautiful type and shadow, but now what's flowing out of us are streams, are rivers of life. God himself being made known. God himself coming forth. That a people would enjoy living in the presence of God. God would enjoy living in the presence of a people. You'll be my people. And I'll be your God. A union and relationship. And all of this union and relationship is in a word, just like the old covenant. See, all the union and relationship was in a word, the word of the law, the words of the law. But the word that this relationship is in is a person. That's the word. The Lord Jesus Christ. See, he's all these words he says are only fulfilled in him. Come to me and you'll have eternal life. Believe on me and you'll have eternal life. What does eternal life that you believe begin to be? But him. See, 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 that's that's the power of this. It's I, I, I say this. It's not just living forever. It is. But it's living in his life. We have another quality of life. And it's not just for over there. It's for right now. It's as we know him. See, see this quality of life becomes greater as we know him. See, the greater measure of him the greater quality of life just the way it works hallelujah to the lamb of god and this is eternal this is eternal so we don't even have the insufficiency of ourselves to deal with because we just come and eat and drink of him because he's putting it in us. I, I have this coming in my mind. Have you ever just had a lousy, what you call a lousy day? And you just come and begin to talk to the Lord. Maybe sing a song. Get in his word. And his divine presence overwhelmed you. Sure you have. Every one of us has. Why? Because he's our life. He's the quality of life we have. And he's always bringing us there. He's bringing us to what he's brought us to. Making us aware of what he's brought us to. Making us aware of the covenant. 
you know, we read these words, I and them, thou and me, that they be made perfect in one. But the gravity of that statement, I in them, and then if you write down, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I in them, I that is the fullness of the Godhead. I in them. The gravity of that. The deepness of that. You know, the, the surface of it is he's in me. He's in me. That's the surface of it. But the gravity and deepness of that is his divine fullness, his divine nature, his divine mind, his divine counsel. You can go on and on. His divine glory, his divine reign is now to be made known. And we inherit that. We inherit him that reigns over sin. We inherit him. Him that conquered death in the hell. He's our inheritance. We're his and he's ours. That's the gospel. That's the good news. So as I know him, I'm made free from the penalty of sin. You know, I'm going to stop here. You know, Christians, Christians who have received him that paid for all sins. Many of them live in the condemnation of sins every day because they don't know him that freed them. They don't know him that's dwelling in them. Because that's life eternal, knowing him. That's the new covenant, knowing him. God told us that. I'll make a covenant with them after those days. I'll put my law in their heart and write it in their mind, and all shall do what? Know me. I'm going to bring them into the knowing of me. Who is that but Jesus? Because we don't know God anywhere else. No longer will they come to Jerusalem nor to Samaria. But the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. The words I speak are spirit. I am the truth, he said. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. That's the covenant. What he is. Who he is. Being made known in you and I. Glory to God. I'll stop right here tonight. We'll continue on with this uh, next week.